0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, good morning, everyone. Glad to be here with you today. It is just a wonderful, wonderful day, and the Lord's made it and put us here and brought us together. It's not an accident that we're in church this morning and that we're doing what we're doing. And I, I love the music today. I mean, I've been challenged by that, and I hope you have too. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I'm going to read very familiar verses uh, from that, but we're going to look at some other things too. But I I too thought revival was just amazing. I think God just moved in a very powerful way. I I needed what we got. I needed what I heard this last week. And then following that, it's just been kind of crazy, you know? And, you know, I know that that Satan works overtime trying to defeat us and trying to discourage us, but I got to tell you the truth. I, I believe right now that God is in charge and that he's going to see us through everything and that he's got a plan and he's working it. He's working it, and we don't need to worry about that. So glad that you're here and uh, looking forward to this. You know, the first Sunday after revival is always the most difficult Sunday of the year because you've got this great guy comes in or a guy that comes in and preaches, and you go, man, that's so awesome, and then i got to get up here. You know, and it's not like you haven't heard me a thousand times, you know, and you're going, well, you know, what's he got to say that he hasn't said already? And the answer is nothing, you know, but I think we need the reminders, and we need to be told the truth so let's look at this right now. And the scripture is this um, that uh, I want to read to you is this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given as well. I want to ask you a question as we get started this morning. What does a typical day look like for you? What does it look like, or a typical day for you, a, a typical week look like at your house? You know, waking up early, scurrying out the door to get the kids off to school, and then rushing to make it to work on time. You know, and you get to work, and you get set up, and you got eight to ten hours of work ahead of you, and you're, you're working there in front of your computer, and maybe you squeeze out a fast lunch if you're lucky, and, and then that frustrating commute maybe back home if you work like an Indy or, or somewhere else. And you're grabbing fast food and and shoving it down your throat and rushing off to the kids' soccer games or track meets or gymnastics practice or whatever it is. And then you rush home and, and you're dealing with the frustrations of doing things like homework at home and then pushing the kids off to bed. And maybe, if you're lucky, you get a half hour to yourself and you sit down in front of the TV or something and watch something before you fall exhausted into bed so that you can repeat it all again tomorrow. Maybe it doesn't look exactly like that but something like that and then finally saturday hits and you have to mow the yard and get the oil changed on the car and the kids have their dance recital and mom and dad have asked you to come over to eat dinner and you have little billy's football game on sunday and you want to go as a family in the fall to the apple orchard so bad because they have pumpkin donuts (laughs) amen yeah And you want to have at least one meal a week that you cook around the table. You really are trying to keep that going. And the kids are clamoring for new clothes because after all, they they need things that look like everybody else so they can be individuals. And and you need to go shop. And then it's Sunday. And you know, the church is just as bad because we're saying, come on, you got to be at church on Sunday. We want you there on Sunday. We got programs. We got plans. We got things going on throughout the week. You know, we want you there, we want you there, we want you there and it's Sunday and you want to go to church, but you haven't had any time at home and the Colts are on. And you haven't had any time at home and you want some you time and you want to watch the Colts so bad. I don't know why. But you want to watch the Colts. Are you tired yet? I mean, you know, seriously, when you think about it, man, it just wears you out. Some of the things that we do, our cultures become so overly busy. So extremely extended, it's not funny. And that kind of living is super stressful. I don't know about you, but it's super, super stressful. The problem with living like this is we're doing lots of things, but really, in reality, we're failing to live. Doing lots of things and living aren't the same thing. We exist, we do things, but we fail to really enjoy life. We fail to live in a real relationship with God and and oftentimes we're really failing to live in relationship with others, even our spouse or our children. We're just failing to become the people that God made us to be that we really talked about a lot this week during revival for those who made it. It was was amazing. My key thought here is this, that doing more things or having more stuff does not equate to being successful or happy as a person. I, I think that that's the... Reality that Nathan was talking about. Being able to overcome things and, and be good at something doesn't equate to being successful or happy. It's not really living. And busy does not make us great as a church either. You know? And I want to talk about that a little bit. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about our church culture. Because I think that the culture of the church is what makes all the difference you know we can schedule and plan and do all kinds of great things but if the culture of our of our church is is not good then then it's not going to work it's not going to be good and and so i've been talking about our church culture and i'd liken our culture to a wagon wheel and i've said that the wheel is like the the wagon wheel in a conestoga wagon you know the outside part here is the church and in the inside there's a hub that connects it to the axle and the hub is Jesus Christ. It's where everything revolves around. Jesus Christ is that hub. And there's spokes that connect us to that. Paul said it best in Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 through 21, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so he's at the center. I've died. I've set myself aside. And any living I'm really doing now as a follower of Jesus is really Jesus living through me and we got to get that that's the first part of our culture he is the very center of our culture he is the very center of everything that we do the wheel on the outside as I said is the church and it's us and we're held to the hub by some truths that I've tried to share with you and some of those truths are 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 really important I I said last week or two weeks ago that that uh, you know we should never do life alone Life was not meant to be done alone. You know, Jesus always had his two go out, and and he never did life alone. And, 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 you know, clearly the Ecclesiastes tells us that two together are stronger, and, and doing life together is so important. We should always be doing life with other significant people. It's essential to our lives. We're not going to be successful as Christians if we think, well, I don't have to have anybody else in my life. I can do it by myself. So today I want to look at another connecting spoke, and that words are less is more, less is more. You know, we make it a status symbol these days to be busy. Have you ever noticed that? You meet somebody, how you been, man? I haven't seen you for a while. Oh, busy, busy. Yeah, man, we got this going on, and they give you a litany of everything they're doing, and then you go, well, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and you give yours back, only you got one more. (laughs) And you get them, man. I got one more. I win, I win, you know, because I got one more thing that I'm doing. And it's crazy. It seems like the more stuff we can pack into our lives, the better. And I really don't think that's what God had in mind. Jesus taught us to take a very strategic approach to what we do as believers and as the church. And that's the scripture that I read to you this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And that's Jesus' priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things will be given to you as well. But first, seek his kingdom. So the strategic approach we're supposed to take to our lives and daily activity is seek first the kingdom. And the fact is, is there's a clear order of things that Jesus taught and that he thought and that he taught us was important. And there was other things that he did not think was important. So on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus declares that the first and foremost important thing in our lives is to seek to make things that lead us to the kingdom of God our priority. Things that lead us to Christ-likeness, our priority. Our holiness, our priority. Those three things. The kingdom of God, Christ-likeness, or holiness is what he said. Those are the things that I want you to make your first priority. All the other stuff is just stuff. Not bad. Not important, but not unimportant. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and your holiness. Kingdom life is our first priority. That is, we are to make our lives as much like Christ as is humanly possible. We are to live out a Christ-likeness. It means living out Galatians chapter 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It means setting up my life and my priorities to reflect Jesus every day, in every way, and in everything that I do. See I believe I'm going to have a very difficult time doing that if I'm living my life by stuffing it full of the world. It's just like trying to be healthy. I want to be healthy, I want to lose weight, I want to I get in shape, but I like pumpkin donuts and there's a conflict of interest there because pumpkin donuts, just because they say pumpkin doesn't mean they're healthy. I wish so bad that it did, but it's not like that. So I believe if I'm going to have health and if I'm going to be strong, I have to fill myself with the right things, and the same thing is in my spiritual life. If, if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, it means setting up my life, my priorities that reflect Jesus, not stuffing my life full of the world and all of its busyness. Take a look at what Jesus, uh, Jesus as we assess this, see, Jesus was very busy. Anybody really realize that Jesus was busy I, I've read the life of Jesus. you know I read through the all four gospels regularly he's, he's a busy guy, dude he was out there all the time. He was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing people. he was going out and eating dinner. He was busy feeding people. he worked miracles people they, they just pounded him, man. They were after him all the time. They they just crushed him. They never let him alone. We never see a time when he's by himself hardly ever. We never see a time, though, when Jesus is all stressed out and ready to snap. And I think there's a reason for that. It's this. Jesus maintained peace in this business by a little secret. I want to give this to you this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I thought about that. In my mind, in the past, I've always thought, well, maybe he got up and had his devotional book and, you know, he read up most for his highest and did his things, you know, and, you know, Jesus did his, you know, devotional. That's not, that's not how it happened. Early in the morning, Jesus would get up and he would go out and, you know, basically they lived on the edge of the Mediterranean and, I, and Jesus, he, he had an affinity for beautiful places. I, I think he'd said, you know, this is the most beautiful spot I made on earth. I think I'll go there, you know, and so he did and, and It's just gorgeous. And he got up every morning and he went out to the place of quiet to meet with his father whom he dearly loved. And he and his father watched the sunrise together. And they sat there and felt the cool breeze blow on their faces. You ever do that on vacation? You know, you're at the ocean and you go out there and you sit and watch the sun come up and the breeze is blowing and all of a sudden God just feels like he's sitting right beside you and you're going, wow. Wow. And he and Papa, they sat and they listened to the quiet and the waves, and they heard the birds starting to sing. And there Jesus rested. I don't think he was busy praying for everybody, saying, Oh, Lord, you've got to fix this, you've got to fix that. Sometimes we think that's what prayer is. Prayer is being with the Father. And he spent time with the Father, and there he rested in the Father's arms. And there he heard his Father speak peace and blessing and love over him. And tell him how much he enjoyed him. I think about that and I'm going, wow. In those quiet moments with Papa in the early morning, Jesus found his rest and he was renewed. He set his priorities for the day. And he set his boundaries for the day. And there was people that would say to me, well, Jesus could have done much more if he would just use that time with some others. But the reality was that Jesus knew that he needed And he would rather have given up his right arm than to let go of that Sabbath rest that he got every morning when he met with his father, because he needed that. The early morning Sabbath rest, it charged his batteries, it renewed his passion, it reminded him of why he was doing what he was doing. See, Jesus, as I said earlier, was a very, very busy man. His life was super intense, people crowding in around him all the time. They crushed him, wanting things. But Jesus practiced what he preached he set his priorities he sought first the kingdom of God he 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 dealt with that first he went and found the kingdom and he lived in that kingdom place he found righteousness and he found the father and God added everything else and see God knows that we need that renewal and that rest as well there's none of us in here right now who do not need that man I tell you what I talk to people and rarely do they say man I'm just rested any of, any of you here today say, I get all the rest I need, and I just, I, I mean, I don't need any more rest. Rest is like overrated, you know? It's just not the way it is. You know, most of us are walking around stressed, and we need that rest and that renewal, and he made us physically with the need to lay down and go to sleep, and that's a good thing, you know? It's not like uh, we should be sleeping two or three hours or four hours a night. We need more. We need to rest. He made us to sleep, and sleep is important, and he, he knew that. That's why he created it. But he also made us physically and spiritually with a need to renew spiritually and emotionally to Sabbath, to find a place where we stopped doing what we're doing. Have you ever felt like you just didn't have another inch to give? Like you've done everything you can do and your cord's just about as tight as it's going to get. You know, like Nathan's guitar strings, they're stretched so tight they're going to break and they do. You know, they they just do sometimes. There's one laying down here in the front, by the way. I saw it down there this morning. God himself rested after he worked for six days in creation. And on the seventh day, the scripture says God rested. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the fourth one was that they were to the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 20, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates for in 6 days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them but he rested on the 7th day therefore the Lord blessed the sabbath day and made it holy part of practicing sabbath is to use the time giving to you given to you by God to delight in him you know it's not oh i got to go do this and get it over with so god will be pleased it's to delight And the one who created us and gave us life. Isaiah wrote about that in chapter 58 and verse 13. He said, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. See, God knew life for us would be tough and stressful. He knew that we would have stress, and he knew we would have complications, and he knew there would be difficult days, and people would reject us, and family would would move away, and friends would die, and he knew all those things. So God made a day of rest and of renewal to set aside all the cares and all the concerns and all the anxieties of our lives. (coughs) And he made it a day for us to worship him because he knew that is in worship, that we get renewed. You know, a lot of people don't understand that. Have you ever noticed on the, on the weeks when you go to church and you truly do enter into the time of worship, you sing the songs and really participate and you really put yourself into the worship, that you feel rested? I, I do, you know. I, I know the weeks when I miss going to church because maybe something happens and I'm away from home and I just don't make it to church that day if, if I don't take out time for that. There's something about that week. It just feels like it goes on interminably. It's it's, it's tough. It's difficult. We rest when we worship. It's made for God. A time to recharge our spiritual and emotional batteries. A day to find joy. To feast on the blessings of God. Keep in mind, God made this day for us humans. He didn't make us humans for that day. It's important to remember that. It's kind of like us as grandparents. We didn't have grandkids to play with the toys. We bought the toys because we had grandkids. None of you got that, did you? Right over their heads. Missed it completely. Okay, let me try it again. We, we had grandkids, so we bought toys. The grandkids are the important ones, not the toys. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, It's very important that we understand that that. The Sabbath day is not the important thing. It's you. You're the important one. Jesus made you, and he loves you. He doesn't love the Sabbath. He made the Sabbath for you. It's your gift. It's a gift to you to have that time, and he wants you to use it well. He wants us to enjoy the Sabbath, but it needs to be a place of rest and renewal, not just another day to pack another activity into. It's important we understand that. See, here's the problem. We humans will take every moment of every free time, every moment of time set aside for peace, and we'll fill it up with something to do. Most of us struggle with just resting sunday nights used to be church night anybody here still remember we used to come to here to church on sunday night remember that six o'clock baby we've got to be here and then finally it kind of got to a point we said let's not do that anymore and so we stopped it but when, if you remember when we quit doing that one of my things was you i stood up here and, and i advised you i said please 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 don't use that to go out and find another activity go home rest find time with your family find peace spend some time alone do whatever And you know what I found out? I found out that almost everybody went home and found an extra activity and filled those hours up with other things to do. Because that's what we humans do. See, I think a lot of people believe that if they can just pound one more activity into their schedule, they'll finally find happiness. And you know what? I got to tell you the truth. And this is something I find very hard to do right now, but it's truth. We at the church, we who lead the church, we are just as guilty of doing too much and doing the wrong things as you are in your own personal lives. The church needs to adopt Jesus' priorities like we as individuals need to. Seek first the kingdom of God should be the church culture motto as well. And his righteousness and all these other things will be added into our lives. At church, we need to ask God to reveal, to teach us his priorities for his people. We have a church. We as a church, we, we have a bad tendency to do something. Something gets started and it's a good thing. And we say, Boy, that's a good thing. We need to keep that going. And so we do. But then it gets done and it's tired and it's finished. And it, now it's a tradition. And so we go, but that's our tradition. We got to hold on to that. We can't let go of that. Because if we let go of that, I mean, that's what our fathers did. And oh my goodness, they would just be so upset at us. And I mean, you know, they're all gone to heaven. They don't care anymore. But we think they do. And so we hold on to it and declare it God's will. Sunday school. Sunday school morning worship, come back for Sunday night worship, be in a small group, be here for Wednesday, get involved in a Bible study, help care for the buildings, be at the women's ministry stuff, men's ministry stuff, and on and on it goes, and it never satisfies my soul. I think that's a song we sing or something like that. See, we at the church have a particularly good knack of making you feel guilty when you don't make it to some of these things too. I have a degree in guilt making people feel guilty. You know, It's like I know how to do it well, and I'm sorry for that. See, I'm not sure we ever seek to know the will of the Father and the kingdom. We just hang on to the past while we start more new things and add it to the schedule. And it just gets busier and busier. And it's in the church, and it's at home, and it's at school, and it's everywhere. We just keep doing more and more. See, I think we have this weird, twisted belief that busy is a sister to holy. And it's not. It's not. We've held on to things like, these are the things that saved us, and they're not. And we keep everyone too busy even to take a Sabbath rest. And I've come to the conclusion that most of us, most of us here are just too busy both inside and outside the church, and that it's just not God's will for us. It's not what he wants. And I think it's time that we begin to change by asking a few simple questions, beginning with Papa. What do you want from us? Papa, we want your will. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the will of our Father. And all these things will be added as well. So let me ask you some questions to kind of guide this. What kind of things are you accumulating in your life that keep you from living out the best life possible? Now, I'm going to step on your toes a little bit here. And If it upsets you, I'm sorry, but not really. Is it the new car that you absolutely have to have so you work extra hours to make sure that you have it? The bigger house so you actually take on a job that's more stressful so that you can have it? The larger and better vacations that you've got to have to get rest from all your craziness but you know, stresses you out to buy them and when you get back you go, I need a vacation for my vacation. Anybody here ever felt that way? the newest electronics cuz you know after all who can get by with an iPhone 7 when they've got an iPhone 12 or 19 or whatever it is up to now like a thousand bucks for that crazy thing now you know i, I remember when telephones were 1995 at walmart you know and they they talked to each other I, I don't know you can do a few extra things but i mean do we really have to do that or maybe that position at work that gives you prestige that you want so bad The fact is, is the questions we probably need to ask ourselves is, are these absolutely necessary? And are they robbing us of things like time with our family? This weekend, as a lot of you know, and I don't want to be crass or anything, but Marty McDonald passed away. A lot of us remember Marty. Marty and Cheryl were part of our church for like 19 years or something. Marty is a a few months younger than I am and Marty was a vibrant energetic guy we all loved him I have great stories and thoughts of him you know and, and he was a guy that I looked at and said he'll be around for years and years to come and he's gone had a stroke a couple weeks ago had a brain bleed on Thursday Friday morning at one o'clock he was an eternity you know right now if we could talk to Marty he would say the time with your family is what matters most. Not the cars. Marty drove nice cars. He had a beautiful house. had a great vacations. But the time with his family is what mattered most. Doing those things that God wanted him to do, being Christ-like, caring for his family is what matters most. And when I say that, I want to be careful here. We're not to be God to our family. That's not what I'm talking about here. But loving our family, being a person of character, showing them the way to Jesus, is what matters most. Not having all the stuff. So the second question is, what things have you become slave to that you thought would make your life better but instead have taken over? And some of them the same things. Your job, a friendship, a hobby, a ball game, an, ex- an exercise routine, or a TV show. And again, none of those things are bad, but they can become... Our masters, if we're not careful, we end up being slaves to those things. And my question is Have all these things that were meant to improve and to make our lives better and more meaningful, have they combined to make us busier and more stressed out than ever? And the answer is probably. The third is this We have said that the culture of the church is to put Christ at the center of life. And my question to you simply, and no one can answer this but you for yourself. But my question is this, are you doing that? Is Christ at the center of your life? Is Christ at the center of your marriage? Is Christ at the center of that relationship you have with your son or your daughter? Are you spending time praying together? Are you spending time, first of all, praying by yourself, getting with the Father, but are you spending time praying with and for your spouse? Are you spending time praying with and for your children? Is Christ at the center in your life? See, the church cannot be Christ centered, if each one of its members are not Christ centered, we can say, Oh, we're a Christ centered church, but if none of us are putting him in the middle where he belongs, then we are not a Christ centered church. We can say we're a church that cares about our city, but if we don't really care about our city, that's not true, right? Do you have time to rest and reset with Papa in the morning? Do you take time out? You get up early enough to go, I'm going to find quiet time. Not necessarily to read even. I mean, reading your Bible, I hope you're reading it. It's a good book. If you haven't read it, you know, I'll show you where to go. But I know some of you do, and I'm thankful for that. And we're teaching our children to do that, and I'm hoping our adults do that. But you know what? It's more important, even than reading it, is to spend time with the Father. Just hear Him. Just rest in His presence. We believe that we should be doing life together. Number four, we also believe life should become much simpler. Life doesn't revolve around the church. Listen to me, because you know, I love the church. I love particularly this church, been here 23 plus years now, but life doesn't revolve around the church. Life should be done correctly, life being done correctly revolves around Jesus. Our first priority together should be praying together and worship. Social events are fine if we have time, but the priorities must be Jesus. He's it. Now, there's some mistakes I think we're making. I just want to point them out real quickly. I think we've made the mistake of substituting the church for the person of Jesus Christ. We get those together. We say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. We've substituted busyness and activities for being holy. We've got to get our theology straight here about what we believe so that we can build our culture and live out our faith daily. This is it. The people, the followers of Jesus Christ are the church. We are the body of Christ. The building is not the church. This is not the church. I've been preaching that since the day I got here. I know I took some of you off that have been here forever when I came in here. It was almost new, and I said, you know, this is just like a barn. We could milk cows in here, run them out of here and worship, and it would be all fine. God wouldn't bother him at all. We are the body. The building is not the church. The church building and even the people who are the body of Christ are not Christ. Now, we are Christ, but we're not Christ. He fills us, he uses, we live his life through us, but we are not Christ in that same sense. We are not Christ. The church building and people we do church with are not who we worship or who created us or who died for our sins. Jesus did that. I love, love, love you guys, but I know you didn't die for my sins. The church is not the center or the hub of our lives, Jesus is. The church is not always operated, and you need to hear this part really carefully. The church is not always operated as it is right now, and guess what? It will not always operate as it is right now. Things are a-changing as they always do. We can change things. We can get rid of things. We cannot do things as long as Jesus is at the center and is the focus, right? The building of the church are just buildings. They're not sacred. We don't even really need them. They are not our main priority. The only command given concerning the gathering of the church in the Bible is this, that we gather and that we pray. Everything else is just kind of up in the air. There's not a real outline of how it should look. The Acts Church gathered daily for prayer in people's homes. That's what it says. The Backwoods Pioneer Circuit uh, Churches gathered as often as a preacher could show up. Sometimes it'd be once a month, sometimes less. But they did gather. They didn't forsake it. When they had the opportunity, they gathered to worship. And oftentimes they gathered in a pasture somewhere or under some trees somewhere or in someone's barn if it was cold outside. The point is, is that they made Jesus a priority and they gathered as they decided was best to worship Jesus. There wasn't a form that they had to follow. It has to look like this. Jesus' only command to the apostles as he left the earth was go and make disciples and teach them to obey. He never said go and have church, go and build some buildings, make sure you have Sunday school, and make sure, most of all, you know, that you have plenty of activities to keep everybody busy. It doesn't say that. And I've said all this to say this, we've made a church, we've made church a busy, sacred place, and I don't think it's either. The church is not a place, it's God's people gathered and scattered. We've got to keep this in mind. We've made it a sin to miss any of the activities of the church, and it's not. Rather than loving people, we've added to the pressure of the busyness of people's lives. We have just made their lives crazy by adding to it. The church has at times robbed people of their Sabbath rest. So here's the deal: we want to create in the culture of church the idea that less is more. The idea is, is that we can do a few things really well, as opposed to doing lots of things really badly, and in the process destroy the Sabbath. We want to add to the Sabbath rest. So let me help with setting the priorities of a church culture that, as I see it, and I, and I if I'm wrong, you know, you can feel free to fix me. That's all right. First is this: we need to gather to worship. It's a priority. There is a need to gather to worship, whether it's in a building or somewhere else, it doesn't matter, but we have an obligation. The Bible says not to forsake the gathering of the saints. We need, I need, we all need to get together in community and worship. And we ask you to make that a priority. Second thing is we gather for prayer. The scripture's pretty clear that we're to gather to pray together, that there should be prayer times, that there's places and special times set aside where we gather for prayer. We're going to continue to do that Wednesday night's our prayer time, and that's all we're going to do. It's not for something else. We're not going to do a bunch of Bible studies and stuff on Wednesday night anymore. It's a prayer time. We're gathering to pray. Come and pray. Come and ask God to help you. It's, it's in the Bible. It's in the scripture. If you don't want to do what the scripture says, then don't come. But if you, can, if you want to follow the scripture, gather to pray. It's an important thing that we do. The youth will gather. They need to be together. They need to hear. They need to help to, you know, with life. And we have a great youth pastor. Ian is teaching them and guiding them. And Pastor Ian is a great man. And you need, they need to gather. There needs to be a place and time. They don't have to gather you know, three times a week, but they need to gather so that he can instruct and guide and help them right now with dealing with life. The children need to gather. It's important that children get together and that they hear uh, Pastor Debbie teach them truths about Jesus and they need to learn. And, and it's important that some of you get involved in that because you know, it's important that our children learn about Jesus and they learn best when they're gathered. It's also, I think, very important that you gather in a small group because you need, to, you need people around you, a community, to do life with. And, and I think that's really important And so we'll continue to do small groups and we'll continue to encourage you. And if you're not in a small group right now, you need to get in one. You've got to quit acting like it's a disease and and start embracing, whether it's on Sunday morning or another night of the week, that's up to you. We have many that are meeting already and we we will start more as we can and, and have need. But the reality is, is that you have to be in a small group. It's important for us to have a community of people around us. A lot better, a lot more important in some ways than even the, gathering for worship there's there's both sides to that we will continue to hold times of spiritual renewal because there are times when we as a church need to get together and be reminded of what we're doing just like we did last week now having said that we're going to continue to do some of the other events at the church we'll do the social events the fall parties and the and and the christmas things and the, the fun things that we do but here's the deal no no pressure Nobody's expected to be there. It's all optional. No guilt, no shame. The final part of that is is that we need, absolutely need all of us to be in discipleship in our homes. Discipleship, as our evangelist pointed out to us this last week, is not something that is done here at the church or by me trying to teach you something. It's done as you get in the Word and you pray, Holy Spirit, teach me, guide me, and then you learn things, and then you go out and you do things. So we're going to be expecting you and hoping, at least, that you will be in discipleship at home, that you'll be teaching your children at home, that you'll be teaching your teens at home, that husbands, you'll be leading your wives, and wives, you'll be showing your husbands, and you'll be working together to grow, to become the Christians that God intends you to be, and that you'll find a place to serve. You know, Al told us a bunch of things the other day. Those are just a few of things, but there's so much that needs to be done, and we are going to do it, but again it's up to you i am not the church is not a place where we're going to go out and beat on you and say you got to get this and go do it with no guilt just get busy and do it it's a key we have to live out and practice what we learn in scripture and we all need to take time to become real disciples and to apply and live out the word in our lives the church is who we are when we're gathered and scattered so If you get involved in other activities outside of the church, such as your kid's soccer or football or dance or whatever it is, and we expect that that's going to happen, we understand that, volleyball, whatever, but you don't go out there just to say, well, I went and I'm just, uh, church is on the back burner. You go out there as the ministers and leaders, and those become your mission field. You're missionaries now, commissioned, because you're part of the church. Church is not here. This isn't the church. You're the church. And when we're scattered, we're still hosts of the Holy Spirit, right? That's what he told us, and that's the truth. And as you go out, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you become a minister in that group where you're going. You don't go there just to play. You go there to be the leader, the spiritual leaders. The church is who we are, gathered and scattered. And we're part of the church in worship. We're part of the church or the body of Christ at work. We're part of the church or the body of Christ at play, and everywhere we go. And it's important that we do that and that we get outside the church building and that we serve and engage the world. The most important thing I have to say today is this. Life is not about doing more things. Life is about doing the God things. Doing less, achieving more. This week, I I was working on the big skag mower that we use, the big one, the big 35-horse one that we use to mow most of the land with. We have two in the garage and... And I was working on it. I made that my volunteer work. See, I have this theory that I get paid like everyone else for working 40 hours a week, and then I volunteer. And so my volunteer work here at the church, one of the things I've been volunteering doing is working on the mowers. I got a little understanding of it, not a lot, but I can do some things. So I, I've been doing that. Well, it broke a, a rear wheel hub on the big skag mower broke this week, and I was trying to get it fixed, and I had it all jacked up. and I got it all off, and I got to the hub, and I could not get the hub off. It was froze on there because you know you don't pull that kind of part off a mower very often, and this mower is fairly old and it had rusted on there. And I beat on it with a hammer, and I used a puller and I couldn't get it off. And I called Ron Stout and I said, "Ron, what do you think?" And he said, "Use some PB Blaster on it." Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a can of really good stuff. And so I did. I went and bought it and I sprayed it down real good with that PB Blaster, you know, and it was immediately rust and all that stuff. You could see it dripping down. And I went inside in the church here and I worked in my office for a few hours while I let it sit there and so I went out there and I stuck the wheel puller, the hub puller back on there and bolted it down and I got my electric impact wrench and I stuck it on there, man. I gave it a blast and bam it popped right off. The hub came right off. Thank you, Ron, that was awesome. So I went in and I called Ron and told him, hey, I got the mower all fixed and Ron said, that's good, you know, and then he sent me this thought. And I want to share this with you because I think it's so good. He said, How often do we beat and beat and beat on a problem with no success? We work frantically, busy, trying to figure it all out. And then we finally take it to God. And with a few tears and prayer and faith, the mountains move. Boy, isn't that good? I mean, there's a lesson in everything if you listen for it. And I just really appreciate that. Church, that's our lives. We need to seek the kingdom of God and then rest in faith knowing that our God has everything in his hands. And he will do so much more. When we do less. Amen? Come on up here, Nathan. We're going to always like to close the music. I don't necessarily have anything I need you to pray necessarily about. Maybe there is. Maybe some of you are so busy and you can, man, I got to go to the Lord and just say, I'm sorry. And that's up to you. I don't, I don't know. That may be far fetched. Maybe nobody's that busy and I'm the only one. But maybe God's speaking to your heart. And if you want to pray this morning, the altars are always open. But one thing I do know is that we need to begin to focus on the things that matter. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if you've been busy seeking everything else, it's not going to work. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let's stand together. Let's worship. Lord, we love you. We praise you this morning. And we thank you for your presence. We thank you Lord for the time together. Our souls have been refreshed and renewed as we've sung your songs and Lord we we have heard your priorities. We've heard your your voice. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we will go out to live it in obedience. That our discipleship will be real and that we will say yes to you and go out and live in obedience to you. Lord, if there's things in our lives that have begun to accumulate things that are just not that necessary that we can set aside, Lord, give us the courage to do it. Lord Give us the courage to be able to meet up with each other and say, man, I'm just not busy. I just have found time for rest, and I'm celebrating that. We love you, Lord, and we praise you for what you're doing. Lord, thank you that our value is not in what we do or accomplish, but our value is in you. We are your children, as we sang earlier. I'm a child of God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you. Now as we leave here, we leave in the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit to go out and to serve and to live and to host you and to be the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.